Somebody asked me the other day if I was doing No Shave November, but I told them yes, because this is really all I've got. But uh, I, I'm excited that um, kind of we're in the home stretch here of 2016. I think one of the, the most, uh, qu- the questions that I've been asked most over this last couple of days, um, and the question I've asked a lot, especially to my kids, is, you know, what are you thankful for? What are you grateful for? Um, and I'm, I'm just really grateful that UCF season's over, because <laughs> it has been a little painful um, and we, we went to the East Carolina game, our, the entire family, this was like two weeks ago. Um, and you know, I, I really want my kids to, to root for UCF, right? Like, uh, I want them to be UCF fans. I eventually want them to go to UCF and, um, I just love everything about UCF. And, um, when you go to the games now for the kids, they give them a brooch, like a, uh, just a, what are they, what is it called? A what? like a booklet and it's got like activities for kids to do while they're watching the game and uh, which makes makes them stay in tune to the game because it asks them what was the score after the first quarter? What was the score after the second quarter at halftime? Uh, who kicked off first um, and who received first? And they've got to answer all these questions. And um, and so we ended up leaving like right, right before halftime. They got their Lego figure, which when you turn it in, you get the Lego figure. But it made them be curious about the outcome of the game. And so the next day, Sam asked me, Poppy, did we win yesterday? And so I'm like, no, bud, we, we didn't win. And so he's like, well, what was the score? He's like, 44 to seven. I was like, 44 to seven. I think that was the score. And then he's like, well, why did, why did, so, you know, you get the whys, right? Like we, kids, you get, so why, why did they beat us? Um, and I'm like, I'm like, well, you know, they're, they're, they played better. They're a better team. Uh, and so it's like, well, why are they a better team? And so I'm like, I, I, I really want to get into my football hat and be like, well, because our offensive coordinator from last year is no longer there. Our, fo- our head football coach had two jobs at the beginning of the season. Now he has none. Our, we're the, one of the youngest teams in, in all of college football. Um, but I just said, you know, they, they just played better. But I'm happy to say that UCF scored more against our rival, USF, than the Gators did yesterday. We scored three points. Florida scored two. Um, so I'm ex- I'm very I'm very excited about that. Um, I um I am I I know I hate against the Gators. Um, not I, I really love I love all people. Um, but um, the what what I, what irks me a little bit. What irks me? I'll, I'll be honest. Is to see a UCF student on campus wearing a Gator shirt. It's like there's nobody in Gainesville wearing a UCF shirt. I can promise you that, right? So, you know, we need the money too. Like UCF needs the, anyways, but I'm grateful. So it's football season's done. It's now preseason, right? There's only two seasons, season and preseason for me. And the preseason is filled with so much hope and wonder and expectation and potential. And so that's what I'm focusing on um, for, for the next few months. But um, hey, I, I'm, I'm super, super glad to be here and be able to share with you guys. And um, what I wanna share today was has actually been, and I told a, a few people in the first service that it's been kind of marinating for about two months now. Um, because I, about two months ago, I had the opportunity to, to I get to speak at, at our regroup ministry, which um, is our care and recovery ministry. It's amazing. You should definitely prioritize that to, to do that in 2015, in 2016. Um, and I, I was, I get the, kind of part of the curriculum. It's kind of the same teaching schedule. And um, the first week is, is the larger story. It's basically what we've gone through over the last five weeks um, in the Story of God series, plus what we'll go over um, in 
um, in the beginning of January, the series that we'll do then. Um, it goes from like Genesis to Revelation in one week. Kaylee does it. It's, it's awesome. She does a great job. Um, and then week two, so that's the larger story. That's the, we, we talk about the story that God's invited us to be a part of. And then week two is where we look at, you know, what, the smaller stories that we create in our lives that prevent us from engaging and being a part of God's story. Right? And so I was reflecting on that because um, in these small stories, we, it's, they're, they're in, in essence based out of the original lie that we can be like God, right? And so we create these stories in which we control the outcomes. Um, why? Because we, we desire control. And in doing so, what happens is that we create these coping mechanisms um, because life continually tells us that we're not in control. And so as I was reflecting on this, it, 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 it hit me. You know, have you ever known something, but then you know it, right? Like you've heard it before, but now you hear it. It's kind of like that, that light comes on and, um, and, and you, just, you just see it with eyes wide open. And, and I, I looked at it as I was doing it because the, the, the way that we engage in God's story is really surrendering, surrendering our lives to Christ and then a daily surrender to God's will in our lives. Um, and so I, I, it was kind of like, yeah, it's, it's simple. I'm like, whoa, that's, that's hard. It, it just kind of hit me. Like I, I knew what needs to happen for us to engage in God's larger story. But it was at that point that it was kind of like, man, this isn't easy. Because surrendering to God is uncomfortable. Right? In our society, we, we, um, we seek comfort over pretty much anything, right? We hope to find a good, comfortable job. We hope to live in a good, comfortable neighborhood. Um, we, we, we insulate ourselves with comfort in search of safety, but we, what we ultimately find is complacency. And when we're complacent, we can't grow. The actual aspect of growing is kind of this idea of being stretched, right? That doesn't happen when we're comfortable. It was then I, 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 I started to see it, and I'm, I'm just like, man, our call as followers of Jesus is not to a life of comfort. It's in fact the opposite. It's, it's us moving into uncomfortable circumstances and situations. And it's there that we find that God grows us. He stretches us. We're refined. It's painful. It's hard. It's also there in those uncomfortable places that we see God at work in and through us. And it's a beautiful thing. And then when, when I had this lens, I began, to look, I began to, 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 to look in Scripture, and you see it all over the place. Like you see followers of Jesus called into situations and circumstances of, uh, uh, of discomfort or being uncomfortable all the time. I was like, man, wouldn't it be phenomenal for, this, for, for the East Orlando community if this church would be willing to be uncomfortable? If the people of this community, of this church, would say, you know what? I'm gonna step into areas and things and situations and circumstances in which I'm uncomfortable. One of the best uh, passages that I, that I love is the, what's in your bulletin. Um, it's when Jesus called his disciples in Mark chapter one. Um, 
Jesus is beginning his ministry and he wants some, some, some friends to, to, to do life and ministry with. And he extends them an invitation. He says, uh, um, Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20, it's in your bulletin. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon his brother, and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. They were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, I wish my dad's name was Zebedee. I'm the son of Zebedee. Um, And his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Can you, you, it it lets us know here that that their dad was with them. In in other words, that um, that this, this thing of being a fisherman was something that was comfortable for them. It's something that had, been, that had happened from generation to generation. It was the father and the son. And so it was comfortable for them to be, to be casting nets to, to catch fish, to be fishermen. And Jesus comes alongside and he says, hey, come follow me. He said, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make you fish people. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> right? Can you imagine how uncomfortable it must have been to say, Wait a minute, like, I know what I'm doing here. I have no idea what it means to fish for people. Um, but they were willing to step into that, uncomfortable, into that uncomfortable space and follow Jesus. And they didn't even believe in him yet. But they kind of understood this principle that, that we kind of, we grow in the direction that we go. There's a, a, a few Actually, it was last year. I, um, uh, I, I'm, I'm very competitive. Um, you should know that about me. Uh, and so I was with some friends around Thanksgiving, and it was like we were watching football. There was food and friends, like the three Fs, awesome. Um, and one of them was like, hey, you know, um, we're kind of a little out of shape. And I was like, speak for yourself, sir. Um, like, and, and he said, how about we do a, like a fitness weight loss challenge? And so you gotta think, like it doesn't make sense to do this before Thanksgiving, before the, like it just doesn't make sense. And so um, I said, you know what? Challenge accepted, we're doing this. And so uh, we, we began this, we did an initial weigh-in and we, we decided to, now you should know that I am not a healthy eater. Um, in fact, I, I don't like vegetables. Kids that are in the room, you, love, you should love your vegetables. Um, I don't, I don't like vegetables. I don't, I don't eat salad. Like that's an easy meal to eat that's healthy. I, don't do, I can't do it. Um, so this was a big, big challenge for me. So I downloaded this app called MyFitnessPal um, and you can kind of keep track of what you eat there. And, um, and so I began to, 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 to monitor what I was eating and I began to, 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 to try to make healthier decisions about food. Um, so it was like, should I have the french fries or the mashed potatoes neither are good but 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 the the mashed potatoes are not fried so i'll go with that like um and before like before i knew it like i I began to kind of like some of the food that i didn't normally eat um 
And I began to, to really look at a, at a menu and be like, hey, that's probably not the wise choice. Um, and and some, some of you have experienced this principle, right? The idea that like, if you go to the gym, the first couple of weeks are, are torturous, right? Especially leg day, right? You can't even walk after leg day. I often say that that's why you see those guys that are like this, but their legs are like birds, right? Like they just, because leg day is, is awful. But, but after a few weeks, you, you begin to kind of, you begin to get in the groove um, and you begin to, to grow in your health. And, um, and same thing is true the other side. Um, if, we, if, if you go to a donut shop, I mean, you're gonna grow, <laughs> uh, right? Like we, we grow in the direction that we go. And oftentimes um, it's when we move into uncomfortable situations that we experience the growth that comes from being stretched. And there were two areas that I think this is so true in, so powerful in. And the w- one is in the area of waiting on God, waiting on God's timing. Man, it's so uncomfortable to wait, right? Like the other day I was in Publix in the deli line and it was uncomfortable because it was just like waiting and waiting. My kids, when I tell them, hey, it's 30 days to Christmas, they're like, what? I can't believe, can it be tomorrow? And waiting in traffic waiting for a promotion, waiting for a raise. Hey, waiting is just so uncomfortable. And oftentimes what we do is we, we say, you know what? We doubt God's goodness in our lives and we begin to take steps towards controlling things. You know, that's, that's the setup to the first advent had a group of people that had received a promise, but it had been about 500 years between Malachi and the New Testament. It had been 500 years since they had even heard a prophet, seen a miracle, and they were just simply holding on to a promise that one day a Messiah would come, that one day God would send a Messiah And they waited. And they didn't just wait. It wasn't easy for them to wait. They had to obey some 600 laws. That's a setup to this first advent. Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read this to you. It says In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to a priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Now think about it for a second, right? It had been 500 years of waiting one generation waiting and they die. Next generation waiting with expectation and no Messiah. See, there's a certainty to our Christmas. It comes every December 25th. But for their advent, there was no certainty. They simply had a promise to hold on to. And they waited 
with great expectation because it lets us know that they observed all of God's commands. So they weren't just waiting around. They were living every single day as if this could be the day that the Savior comes on the scene. Man. What I loved about this is that it wasn't easy for them to wait. Luke lets us know that they could not conceive. I know that's been the case for some of you. And maybe you're just holding on to a promise. I want to encourage you to hold on. Luke also lets us know that they were very old. So they possibly had even let go of the dream of having a child. But every day they lived with the expectation of a promise being fulfilled. I'm not sure what you're waiting on. Maybe it's a financial breakthrough or a job. Maybe it's for your son or daughter to come back. Maybe you're waiting on some, some situations or circumstances to, to change. And you're in a season of being disrupted and you're, you know the Lord is calling you to wait on him. And it's super uncomfortable. As we'll see next week, they get a visit from an angel and it changes everything. Another area where it's been super uncomfortable has been in the area of moving into uncomfortable relationships. What I love when I read about Jesus is that he loved moving into uncomfortable relationships. There wasn't anyone who did, could, I mean, that he wouldn't, he really didn't care too much for the Pharisees and the religious people, but, but everybody else, like he, he, he moved into into relationships that were uncomfortable. I told you last week that I would tell you how my wife and I met. Um, and so here it comes, right? Like, um, I, my, my sister, I was living in Rhode Island and my sister and her husband had moved here to Orlando. And this was 15 years ago. Actually, next Sunday, we celebrate 12 years married. It's awesome. I'm too young to be married 12, 12 years, but but I got married young. Um, so it was the summer between high school and college. Um, and I came to visit my sister. And I've told you this before, but my dad's a pastor, grew up in the church. Um, and so part of what that means is that even on vacation, you go to church. Like it's like, it's almost like, it's a Sunday and we're not at church. Like, this is weird. Um, so I came to visit my sister and uh, I ended up going to church with her. So they had kind of like a Sunday school class and um, so I was in this class and, you know, I'm thoroughly listening to the teacher and I'm learning as much as I can and out of the corner of my eye. I catch this like beautiful, beautiful girl, young lady walk in the room. And I am like, I think the Lord's calling me to Orlando. I really do. I really do. Um, and so I, I remember like just thinking, my, my goodness, did I just... Yeah, like she is beautiful. Um, and, and so 
it was, uh, I decided that I would be crazy, and I was 18 years old, so it's part of what you do, um, and that I would call her. Like, I would ask, I wouldn't even ask her for her number. I asked my sister for her number and called her, which is great, um, but I was too young. I didn't know different, um, and so I called her. We, we, we hung out, and then I left to Rhode Island. We kind of kept in touch via email, and um, things didn't work out with school in, in, in Massachusetts, so I said, you know what? I'm going to go to Orlando. And I moved down to Orlando in 2000, um, and we started dating shortly after. And it was great um, until later that year, um, her dad and her parents moved from Venezuela to Orlando. Um, and so, and now I have a totally different perspective on this story now that I have two daughters. Um, okay, it's it's totally totally different perspective. But he said, you know what? Um, I I don't want to meet him, and he cannot come to our home. Um, and so I was like, what do you mean I can't come to your home? I, I, I'm 18 years old. I got my life in order. I know what I'm doing. Um, right? and, and so he, he said, no, you can't, can't come in. And for two years, I couldn't visit her at home. We took a class together at Valencia. I still remember um, just so we could see each other. And um, and I remember the date. It was August 4th, 2002. She calls me up because she would always ask him, hey, can Sam come come over? And he'd be like, no. Um, and he's like, <laughs> the next day, can Sam come over? No. Um, I Quick sidebar, uh, for, our, for kind of one of our first dates, it was my birthday, and he, she asked if, if, we, if she could Go have dinner with me, and he said yes. But I'm going to take you. I'm going to wait outside, and then, I'm gonna, uh, and then uh, when I'm ready, I'll beep, and you can come out. And so I'm like, he's not going to wait outside. And so I left something in the car, went out, and got got it. And sure enough, he was in his minivan reading his newspaper. Um, and so I remember the day I she said, "Hey, my dad said you can come to the house," and I'm like, "Whoa." This thing I had waited for so long was finally here. But I was kind of like, you know what? I don't need him. It's not two years. It's been two years. But did I mention she's beautiful? So I said yes. And I went. And I remember walking in um, the house. It's kind of like a long foyer. Um, and then you got kind of the, the breakfast area and then the family room. And I walk in, and it's four guys sitting at a table playing cards. It was her dad and three uncles. And so I'm like, oh, man, I am in trouble. Um, and I shook their hands and said hi. They didn't really, he didn't really say much to me. We sat down. And it was the most uncomfortable and awkward thing I've had to experience. Um, and so I was like, man, do I even want to go back? Like, do I, do I, do I want to go back? Like, do I even want to develop a relationship with this guy? And I said, you know what? I'm going to go back. And so the next day I went back. I'd go back as often as they let me. And I began to talk to him and have a conversation with him. And it was so uncomfortable because it was kind of like, dude, like, what happened for two years? Like, come on. We really didn't talk about it, but I got to know him, began to know what he does, understand him as a person, got to see that he has a, an amazing heart, and I can't wait till he surrenders it to Christ. I began to, 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 
to move into that uncomfortable relationship. And one of the most um, touching memories that I have with my father-in-law was when uh, we were at a, a cousin's wedding and he puts his arm around me. He says, I'm so proud of you and Carol. It was hard. It was hard to move into relationships that, were, that are uncomfortable. It's easier to simply hang out with the people we know, the people that look like us, that talk like us. That it's uncomfortable to walk across the cubicle and invite a, f- a friend to come with you. Some, you may be checking this whole Christianity thing out and you're here and maybe the step that you need to take is moving into the uncomfortable place of asking the question if, if Jesus is who he says he is. Maybe you being brave is showing up next week saying, you know what? I'm gonna come back. I'm going to move into this relationship. I'm going to move into this uncomfortable place. But it's here where God can stretch and grow us. It's here where we can see him at work in and through us. Here's the, here's the disclaimer. Is that there are no guarantees in uncomfortable places. See, when we move into places of, of discomfort or places where we're uncomfortable, we're risking. That relationship may not go the way that you want it to. When we move into places that God is calling us to, though, yeah, they'll be uncomfortable, but this we can trust is that God will use and will work all things. I don't use that verse lightly. I use it understanding that when we trust in him, he's a good, good father. See, when I look at some of the figures throughout some of the the characters, the people throughout scripture, we see that they were often called into uncomfortable circumstances. From Abraham to Moses to David to Joshua to Gideon, go on down the line. The disciples. It's because God loves us so much that he doesn't want us to be complacent. He wants us to be transformed. It's hard. It's hard and uncomfortable to live out the calling that God's placed in our lives. I often think about how hard it is to be a dad. It's so much more comfortable to just sit there and watch a football game than it is to walk outside and play catch with your son or take your daughter on a date. It's uncomfortable 
to explain why UCF keeps losing. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. It's hard. We can get into this zone where we just simply get comfortable and complacent. We remain stagnant. We don't see a God, a God at work in our lives. College students, it's hard to live out your calling on a college campus. It's uncomfortable to go against the tide. Middle schoolers, high schoolers, it's uncomfortable to not do what everybody else is doing, to say, you know what, I'm going to honor my body. It's uncomfortable. But it's in, it's when we move into those things, if we move into those things, that we get to see the God at work in just some amazing ways. And we know this, right? We, we try to stretch our kids in their education. We get them out of their comfort zone so they can learn and they can grow. But so easily in our culture, um, we get tossed back into complacency. And so what does it take? It takes what... This will be the last football reference I make, I promise. There's a coach called Rex Ryan who I'm not a big fan of, but I was a fan, I'm a fan of something he said. Um, he had just, they had just won a game that they weren't supposed to win, and they asked him, how'd you do it? And he said, we went out there, and we were fearless. He goes, we weren't reckless. We were fearless. We played knowing that we could win the game. And for us, as we step into those situations, into those places where God's calling us that are going to take us out of our comfort zone, we step into them fearlessly, not recklessly, because we know who's with us. We were reminded that he loves us. That's the foundation by which we can move into those areas. When we do that, we won't find safety, but we will find a life filled with purpose. I want us to take a, just a minute and think about the places, the uncomfortable places that God is calling us to, calling you to, that maybe you've been putting off. Maybe it is recognizing a sin in your life and saying, you know what? I'm not going to stay in this. and This is comfortable for me. I'm going to move into something that God has for me. Maybe it is a person, a friend, family member. And you, you need to engage in a relationship. Maybe it's picking up the phone and inviting them to, to Christmas dinner or to a service with you here on Christmas Eve. God loves us so much. He's not going to leave us where we are. He wants to grow us and mature us. Again, remember that we won't find safety. One of my, um, you know, a, a summit sermon was not complete without a C.S. Lewis quote uh, from the Chronicles of Narnia, so I got mine. Um, but it reminded me of this. Um, and it's, it's, 
It's when Lucy encounters Aslan and, um, and, and she asks the question, is he safe? Um, she says, is, is he safe? And I love Mr. Beaver's reply. He says, safe? Who said anything about being safe? Of course he's not safe, but he is good. He's the king, I tell you. Will we live and move into uncomfortable places knowing that our king, he's good? Will you bow your heads and pray with me this morning? Father, we, we're so grateful that you love us. God, if we're honest, we, we don't like moving into those places that, that are uncomfortable. We don't like waiting on you. It's hard sometimes to trust in your timing. And I know your word says that you're never late, but sometimes I just want you to be early. It's so hard to have the courage to move into these places, to wait on you with great expectancy for what you're going to do when everything around us tells us the opposite. God, it's so hard. And so this morning we ask what Paul spoke about when he said that in our weakness you are made strong and so we ask that you be made strong. That you would give us the courage to be fearless so that those around us could get a glimpse of who you are. Help us to move into the places that you're calling us to, even when they're uncomfortable. And remind us along the way that you are with us, that you will never leave or forsake us. We thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your love. In Jesus' name, amen.